everyone, and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Today, I'm talking to actor and artist Gemma Elsom about her unique relationship with social media and how that impacts and influences her practice as a performer. Gemma is a complete joy, actually, and doesn't need much more of an introduction, except maybe a hint that if you're looking to fiddle during this podcast, as we often do when we listen to audio, uh, maybe you should head on over to her Instagram, girlgenius19, and look through it while we speak. It'll probably provide a pretty good intertextual background pastiche for today's conversation. But now, uh, just before we begin, uh, regular housekeeping, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and you can visit us at houseconspiracy.org to learn more about our artists and to see how we can support you. Also, join our mailing list. It's worth it. And now, on to the show. Gemma Elsom at House Conspiracy is a curator of conversation. Most nights of the week, she brings people into her Studio One space and has them speak with each other. These individuals are often brought together from completely different segments of Gemma's life, or have at very least never properly crossed paths before. Together, they play games, answer questions in turn, and drink. Gemma records these interactions, whether on film or by photograph, or through choice quotes penned on sticky notes and pinned to the walls and door of the studio. One reads, I wonder if I'll ever stop biting my nails. Another, there's nothing I couldn't improve on. And now, for a curated conversation of our own, here's Gemma Elsom. So, uh, Gemma Elson, um, lovely to have you joining me after sort of that preamble, which will not make it in. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, ni- nice to have you here on the podcast, Gemma. Um, I wanted to start straight off, actually, and talk about something that we were talking about very briefly earlier and something that I think about a lot, which is uh, social media. And you have quite an interesting and unique relationship with social media. There are a lot of artists, both who applied and who have received residencies who have had a relationship with social media and have used it, but not exactly in, in the way that you have. And yours is probably the most prevalent in your practice. So it's, I mean, it's on your door. Girl Genius 19 <laughs> is written on your door and that's your Instagram handle. Um, so maybe if you could talk a bit about your social media relationship and how it plays with your art and how it plays with the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, <sighs> It, it's it's very innocent, really. I just I've had social media since I was like ten or eleven, um, and I just naturally was just posting every day. And then when I graduated school, I just like started not caring as much about like what people thought or what I wanted to be. I just I just I just made a conscious decision to not care anymore about what I. About trying um and then it just grew and I just it became a bit of a diary for me um and then I was really self-conscious about it for a long time because I like could I was addicted like I could not stop posting like if even like every thought I had would be like oh that could be a Facebook status or like it was terrible um and I took a break at the start of the year and had a lot of conversations with my friends about it. And they 
really missed that, like my presence. And I like, and I mean like genuinely my friends. Um, and I became a lot more confident. I'm like, no, this is something that I really enjoy doing. This is a part of me. And now I've just gone with it and it's like, um, I mean, my play that I did, my one-woman play a couple of months ago. Which was called? Theta Barra Smiles. Um, and without even realizing, because it's a, it's a little vignettes. Mm-hmm. Um, someone pointed out to me, it's like each vignette is an Instagram post, but like more detailed. Yeah, right. Like you've, it, give, you've got the opportunity to expand upon it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, I don't know how to explain it because it's still something that I'm still working out, but is like I dream of like eventually having like a book of like because it's five years of my life that's Mm. on this um it's just become a huge part of my life so you're you work in in theater and sort of performance sort of zones do you consider sort of social media and the idea of a public facing diary to be a performative thing oh yeah I mean not um as an actor, I don't think it helps my career at all. I, I, I don't at all. Um, but I think I've accidentally stumbled into performance art. Um, especially because other than just um, like photos, I, do, I film myself a lot doing very mundane things. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely. It's just, just – I've yeah, performance art. It's just accidentally – but yet, yet, and sort of what we speak about a lot is um, radical honesty, right? Yeah. So could you uh, maybe talk a little bit about sort of radical honesty, your perception of that, and how how you can sort of align that with the inherently performative element of social media? <laughs> this is something that I struggle with a lot because I never lie on social media. Like I... I, I it just never occurred to me to lie. Um, so I'm always like, I, I post about my exactly how I feel and the, my worst feelings and when I'm feeling the best. And, um, and someone pointed, you know, I hear people talk about how like you put like your best self out on social media and I genuinely could not comprehend that. Like I don't understand. And so it's a funny, um, comparison because I would say a lot of people especially like other millennials are definitely performing for social media um for me it doesn't feel like I am but I know that it definitely comes across that way um but it's actually interesting now other people now that other people are noticing what I do I feel more responsibility to perform like I feel like like because you're aware you're being watched. Yes, yes. It really, really made me uncomfortable. That was why I took a break at the start of the year because I realised that people were watching. Like a friend of mine said, like, um, you've stopped making videos. Why aren't you making videos? And that's when I realised it's like, oh, no, people think I'm doing this on purpose. And so now I'm finding this weird – I have to find the middle ground between doing it on purpose and keeping it honest and natural. Um, and I think I've finally got – to that point. So what is it for you then that, that makes it the creations that you make uh, or, or the, the sort of posts, the journals, the videos, mm-hmm. um, what, what is it about sort of posting it on social media that, that makes it different from if you just sort of kept it all on a hard drive? I, okay. 
I have to share. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm an artist. Like, I, I, I have to share. Um, and I tried to... I tried to just keep the videos to myself, but I, I don't, I don't get any satisfaction from that. It doesn't, um, cause what I love is the reaction that you get from people. And cause like, um, people love to see people being themselves. They yes. really enjoy that. And it just is really fulfilling to me. Um, something that I, uh, not so much now because time has passed, but I was really concerned that. I was putting all my creative energy into social media and then wasn't actually making anything. Um, but now obviously I turn that around and I am making things. And I think that's how I have a more positive attitude towards it now because it's just um, I'm still getting shit done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you yeah. mentioned sort of the idea of sort of channeling sort of what you've been doing with social media mm-hmm. into shows, you know, saying that it sort of ended up being reflected in your one woman show, is it almost, is it almost creative practice for you? Oh, entirely. It's just a way for me to, like, I'm a, I'm, I'm assume other artists are the same, but like, I have to do something creative every single day. Like if I, if I don't, I'm, I'm, I just feel like dying. And so having that outlet is just a way for me to like release whenever I feel, you know, like whenever I feel a burst of like, I need to do something Right now, it's just a way for me to do it straight away. And then, um, but when I'm running a show or working on a show um, or doing this residency, that that's something that I can work on gradually, where social media is just like an easy way to like. It's like a fast catharsis. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. And so how do, you, how do you go about then, or maybe this isn't an experience of yours, sort of balancing the inherent sort of, anxiety that comes with social media and comes with number counting and comes with, you know, the, the idea of I'm being watched. How much am I being watched? Are people responding well? Like, how do you manage that? I, it go, it comes and goes. I'm pretty much anxious about it most of the time. Um, but I've gotten really good with my anxiety and I can, I just know to tell myself, like, um, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks you're doing this for yourself um, and just sort of repeat that. Um, but also I get main, I don't really get negative responses. The only things I've had are when I meet people in real life and they know me from Instagram and they think that I'm a different person than I am. And that is always a, a strange relation because I hear through other people, they're like, oh, I just didn't really know how to take it or whatever. But um, like I'm confident enough that like I know who I am and that I'm not faking anything. So I don't, I just don't care if you think that I'm like pretentious or obnoxious, like uh, maybe I am, but you probably are too. Like, <laughs> let's be friends anyway. Um, I just, I've just gotten over it. Yeah. And was that sort of a, a long, a long process? And like, is there, is there also maybe like in, in taking hiatuses, is there an anxiety in that as well? It's, yeah, I, I stress a lot about that I've put too much of myself out there, um, especially because, like, I ultimately um, am an actress and actresses typically are meant to be, like, a blank slate. Um, 
you know, like my other actor friends don't put themselves out there on social media as anything other than a professional. And I, every now and then I'll just freak out. I'm like, what have I done? I'm never, I'm never going to do another film because I'm just, I'm too weird. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then I take a hiatus because I freaked out about it for too long and then I just take a step back. But ultimately it just comes down to that, like, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing because I'm worried about what might happen. And that's the other thing I was um, talking to my mom the other day and she said that she, when she talks to her friends about me now, she refers to me as an artist instead of an actress. And that's something that I'm very it, – it's true. It's 100% true. Um, but it's really hard to come to terms with, to, like, let go of that What do idea. you see as the difference – uh, as an artist, I, I put myself as an artist because I recently I have learned that I really like being in control of my ideas. So as an actress, and you, you're a vessel for someone. Else's I'm a character. vessel for someone else. I don't get to do what I really want to do. If I take a risk and they don't like it, then that I better shut up. But I. Only in the past six months or so have I been brave enough to be the boss. And it has been, like, I hate to say the words, but literally life-changing. Like, I've, it's so fulfilling. And, like, I just, I love the power. And I was terrified of, um, I thought that I wouldn't be able to find people to work with me. I thought I would have to do everything by myself. And it's just been so rewarding that, like, if I ask, like, all you have to do is ask and people will help, which is, that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true, especially if you're creating something that other people can believe in. Yeah. And can find stakes in. Coming with, with to, to quote Spider-Man, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. Um, yeah. what, was, what was that experience like sort of for the first time creating a one-woman show? Like, I mean, in, in many ways, your, your Instagram is a, is a one-woman show. Um, but but in in terms of that experience, sort of along with sort of being able to control the idiosyncrasies and being able to sort of branch out, like you said, and not have someone say shut up. What what also came with that? Well, I early last year, so May twenty sixteen, I had a realization that I just like didn't want to be someone's, you know, I, what do you call it, chess piece. I didn't want to mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and a friend of mine who I adore greatly she's in her 30s and she did a one-woman show and just took it everywhere and I I was like hey that's it like you know in my life I'm going to do a one-woman show and then it just happened a lot I'd already written one but I just like was I just never thought it was going to happen I thought I I picked a date eventually and even in my head I was like that probably won't happen like I'll probably back out um but because it just happened over such a long period of time I just became very comfortable with the idea and I I wasn't, um, you know, I had a meltdown. Like I thought I was going to have to like hire a theatre and do everything myself completely. Um, but then in the end I had people come to me and say, I really want to work on your show. And in the end, you know, I had a, a production designer and a technical assistant and a, a co-producer and like I – all I had to do was just like put myself out there and then it happened. Um, so like, yeah, I was, it was 
stressful, but it really wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. You spoke way back in your application. I think you would have put that application in in around July, maybe mm-hmm. August. Um, you spoke uh, a little bit about like the Brisbane Loop and feeling a little bit out of it at the time, but that was before your one-woman show. Did did performing at Kunstbunker, did that change things for you at all? Not really, no. I, um, like I said in my application, like I, 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 um, I don't, I'm not linked to a university. I'm not linked to any other group. I'm, I'm the definition of a solo artist. Um, and for my show for Theatre by Smiles, I, um, I worked with my friends. It's like I worked with people that I already knew from other shows and I, I, um, really struggle with going to like networking events and trying to put myself out there because it's just like, it's such a, I just feel like it's really diluted and it's very difficult to like stand out. So I just figure I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and I just love working with my friends. So if I have more friends then it will just grow. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one, one question maybe is that, is there a Brisbane loop? Oh my there's such a Brisbane loop. I mean, I tag along with my friends who are, you know, went to QUT or yeah, um, that are attached to other unis or groups, and um, I just, I um, they're attached to all these other groups, and they just every single event is the same people. And they don't talk to you unless you know. Oh, you like you might introduce yourself to them, but they're not going to remember you. Um, and it's really, um, I don't want to say intimidating, but it's just they don't need to know you. They already know enough people. Or then like, then there's that whole thing when they just move to Melbourne. Yeah, man. And it, it's the dumb thing. <laughs> It just and then so it just keeps happening. It's like everyone just like a couple of years out of uni, keep hanging out with the same people, and then eventually a couple of people move to Melbourne or Sydney, and then it just starts again with the next group of people that graduated, and then and then like the industry's never going to get bigger here because everyone just disperses. Yeah, and partially that's because there aren't many opportunities, but There's also no money. partially it's because people aren't making the opportunities. Yeah, um, that's it. And, you know, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of people who shift shift out of the city to find opportunities rather than build, building it here. And it's hard. It's really hard to it's, build things. There's a lot of luck involved. Exactly. Um, there's so much luck involved in a place like this even. And this isn't even like a particularly large project. Um, but the fact that it's a project in Brisbane is a big deal. Because, yeah. Like a project like this in Brisbane and, is a And big we're deal. seeing more things pop up sort of, now, like, we've got outer space popping up. Wreckers is popping up. There's there's a bunch of interesting stuff yeah. happening. Um, but what I wanted to ask you is you spent a fair bit of time training overseas. Um, how how did that compare sort of as an actor, as, as a creative mm. compared to here? Um, so I was in Chicago in the States and I was 17. So I, like, you know, I was fresh out of school. So I, I got there and I was doing, um, I went what to, what made you go there for starters? I just, uh, my parents enrolled me to uni. Like I didn't have a say in it at all. Like and Australian uni or yeah, Chicago uni? Yeah. Um, they were just like, you'll go, so you're going to go to QUT and do a drama and business degree and Rara. Um, and I just needed to get out. I was going to go to Spain mm-hmm. 
Um, but then we happened to know this family in Chicago and they said like, you can come stay here. So I had no idea what was in Chicago waiting for me. Um, but things happened and I ended up going to IO, which was, um, Improv Olympic, which is where long form improv began with Del Close. And, um, so I did a, the first thing I did was a five week intensive and that those in long form, improv. in long form improv, which is, which is improv as an art form. So short form improv is like Skits. theater sports. Yeah. yeah. But long form improv is like a full one hour show completely improvised. And it's not necessarily all funny. It's, it's, it's life. So, you know, the TV show, um, whatever. Curb Your Enthusiasm? No, no, no. It's either, um, I'm going to say it wrong, but basically a lot of shows are based on this concept of the Harold. So it's like the rules of three. So most things are funny when you've said it three times. Yeah, sure. Um, So it's based on that, but it just teaches you a lot about, on on a basic level, teaches you a lot about um, uh, comedy and how to link things back and make it funny. But on a deeper level, um, the biggest rule is, well, there's two big rules. So obviously, yes and. So Mm -hmm. just like, yes and add to that whatever you've got. But um, the thing I learned is whatever you give is a gift. So like anything you do is the right thing to do and you're just putting it out there and it's up to everyone else to do what they can with it. So like those five weeks was just mind-blowing. I cannot explain how much I grew from that. And then I did – and then I went to study Meisner, the Meisner technique, which is – um, an acting technique of, um, I didn't, I didn't do it for scripts. So it's literally, these were like workshops of, um, to get the actors to really connect with the person on stage. So we did, um, like when you do the Meister technique, you, it's as basic as like standing in front of a person and making eye contact and then pointing out every expression or emotion you notice in them. Which it sounds like such a simple thing, but it it. But it's something that can be practiced, and you something can, get can practice, and not just in art, like in life. Yes, um, it's empathy, right? It's empathy. It's focused empathy. Exactly. Um, so the, it's just I like did those two things, but then there's this huge culture around it, and there's um, there's just so many independent shows going on all the time, and like it's just just a massive culture. And then when I went to Brisbane, I was just so excited because I thought it would be exactly the same. Um, and it, it may be because I moved alone, but I wasn't. I just couldn't find it. And I'm still still trying to find it. But, yeah, that was the difference. Yeah, and it's, it's hard because I don't know if I'm – I don't know. I think there are Brisbane loops. I don't know if there is a Brisbane loop. Mm, I yes, think I think, yes. for instance, there is, like, very much a visual art loop and there is very much – one or two theater loops, sort and of depending on which university. And there's a music loop, and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The theater, the theater loop seems to be the most divided across the unis, mainly because it's the only art form that, in any significant way, is offered across all three. Yeah. Aside from music, which has the con UQ's music degree and then QUT's mm. contemporary degree, so they're but they're three very different things. So it's it's yeah, it's it's difficult, I think, and I don't know how you you bring it all together yeah I think there's also a weird 
gap between like the theater festivals and then the theaters. You mean um, like fast versus QTC or? No, like, um, yes, yes, actually, yes. Um, there's just, a, I feel like there's a big gap there. Um, like, you know, technically as I'm not a student, I can't do fast. Right. True. Um, so there's like, really, there's like anywhere, mm-hmm. um, or, the you know, there are, in other cities. the fringes cause we don't have fringe here. Cause the first show that I wrote, we did at Brisbane fringe, which was an incredible opportunity for us. Way back when. 20, yeah. 2015 it was. That was the was last year. The last was. one. Yeah. Anywhere sort of, um, They've took picked over. It up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are talks going on. In, in the deep background yeah. of Fringe returning. I would, I just, that was an incredible, incredible opportunity for us. Um, it'd be, I just really want to be a part of bringing more alternative theatre to Brisbane. Yeah, and when you say alternative theatre, um, what, what alternative to what? Define alternative theatre maybe. Just different formats and concepts like for example when i was in chicago there's this um a company called neo-futurists yes you mentioned a show of theirs that you think about every day yes <laughs> yes which is <laughs> the called? show is um too much light makes a baby go blind but they had their rights pulled a couple of years ago so they don't do that exact show anymore but um what i loved about this show is like you there at midnight every Saturday and you go and you, you, um, it's technically $20 entry, but you roll the dice and whatever it lands on, that's what they take off the price. And it's a big circular room and you get a menu with your scenes and they have to do as they're each two minute scenes and you have to do as many scenes in an hour. So 30 roughly, roughly, but you know, it gets crazy. And none of them are like typical, like some of them are poems, some of them are songs. Um, one particular one was like the one that I really remember was one of the artists pointed to the ceiling where it said God and just started going follow, 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 follow. And no one told anyone what to do, but by the end, the entire audience was just pointing to this one sign, just saying follow, 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 follow. And it just, it's I kind of love creepy. it. That's it really was cool. And so this happened creepy. at midnight? Midnight. Yeah. 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 That's and it just, um, and everyone was just having the time of their lives and it wasn't, um, by no means traditional theatre, but it was theatre and it was – everyone was, like, buzzing afterwards. It was just such an experience. I, and that's bought, what I live you, for. you bought a few of those traits from that show back oh. with you and put it in your one-woman show. Maybe talk about the traits you did bring back, the structure of your one-woman show, and why you used those traits. Well, uh, yes. So for my one-woman show, I used the traits of a menu. Um, and I – so basically – because like I said before, it's vignettes. So the idea is like the audience um, gets a menu and you we work together to work out what scenes the order of the show will be in. Um, the reason I did that is because the, the play is about one, uh, just a girl, Benny, who's obviously he's based on my younger self. Um, and the idea is I wanted to replicate getting to know a person. Um, so because each of the scenes are like very mundane parts of her life. Um, but the, by picking an order and by having a different order every show, the, each audience member is getting to know my character completely differently. Um, but the other thing is that I really wanted to replicate 
like, you know, when you meet someone and you say hi and you catch their name and then maybe you like follow them on social media and don't see them for another year, but you like, you see what they're doing and you, and, and then you, you learn s- little snippets, you just learn little snippets of them. Um, I just wanted to replicate that. And in the end, I think I did replicate that quite closely. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that show. I think well, you can is. come see it in May at Anywhere Theatre Festival. Oh, do you know where you're going to show it yet? Not yet, <laughs> but it's coming. But it's coming. <laughs> hey, that's really good. That's uh, that's actually a really nice sort of closing point where we go, is that is that sort of the next thing in the pipeline after this residency? This residency does take you all the way through to the end of 2017. We're right almost the there. End. But yeah, that's the idea is I want to make it longer because mm-hmm. that was the biggest feedback I got after the last one. Was that there wasn't enough? Yeah. That's the best feedback to get. I know it was pretty good, but they were just like, no, we want to see more or like we wanted that scene to just, cause there's a, there's a scene where I, um, it's called hanging out with Sasha, which is essentially just like hang out my housemate, but we sit and stare at our phones and eat chips for the whole scene. And they were like, that could have gone for 10 minutes. So I just really want to like play with what how far I can push it mm-hmm. with length and form and length and because it was only 45 minutes last time so I'd like to quite make it a bit longer cool see what happens rad well that's exciting and um where can people find you online you can find me on instagram at girlgenius19 or I also have a facebook page which is Gemma Elsom and that's Elsom with an m and a website Mike. as well uh Yes, I have a website. It's girlgenius.productions. Awesome. Well, great to speak with you. And I look forward to seeing your show at Anywhere and what you do for the House Conspiracy Showcase. Lovely. Thank you. The House Conspiracy Podcast is produced at House Conspiracy by me, Jonathan O'Brien, and Tyler William Morrison. Mixing and editing by Tyler William Morrison. And music by the Reverend Isha Ramdas. If you'd like to support House Conspiracy, you can do so at houseconspiracy.org donate. And you can learn more about what we offer here at houseconspiracy.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>